Welcome to Season 2 of the Development Locker Podcast, where we progress to the how, where we aim to continue your development throughout the 2021-2022 season and start to proactively prepare you for your transition come the end of the season. Over the next 12 months, we will cover a variety of topics that you, the listener, have voted for taking ownership of your own development and transitional needs and those of other academy players and graduates. This podcast is a free platform that aims to put you, the person behind the player, at the forefront of everything we do, so that we may enhance your academy experience via our guidance, advice and support on a weekly basis. Each week, we invite guests to tell us their stories, share their experiences, so that you can take on board key messages that will positively impact your future. Our objective is to cover the basics well, provide you with the additional 1% in a variety of areas and give you an opportunity to continue your lifelong development as you transition through the academy system towards fulfilling your aspirations of becoming a professional football player and living a fulfilled life after football. These are your chosen episodes. This is your interview from The Locker. privilege it was to catch up with such a driven, focused and positive individual as this week we bring you the latest edition of The Journey. Callum joined us from New York City to talk all things US scholarships, his various transitions, his journey so far and what the journey lies ahead for him. As you will guess from Callum's tone and pitch, he's extremely enthusiastic about his lot seizing every opportunity presented to him and making things happen overseas as he continues to pursue his football career and further demonstrate his academic prowess. From Cardiff to Swansea, via Bolton to New York, with St Francis and now Fordham, this is truly a journey and a half with a lot more to come. But enough from me, let's give you what you're here for. This is Callum's journey and this is his interview from the locker. Welcome back, everyone. So this is another episode of the journey, and we are very honoured to have, uh, which is beautifully timed in terms of the month that we've just had in covering US scholarships, is a young man called Callum James. Hi, Callum. You okay? Hi, Lee. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. So I'm going to basically intro you because I want you to tell your story and we're going to start with the first question. And that one is, how did you get into academy football? Yeah, I was probably pretty similar to most in terms of you're playing local league for your local side on the weekend, usually with you know some of your friends from school or whatever. And mm. then you just get, you know, maybe you get invited to... For us, for Swansea, there was a, a centre of excellence. But, I mean, at, at the age of six, so the way Swansea used to work is used to do, I can't remember if it was a year or two within their, like, pre-centre of excellence. And then those players then from, I think they'd probably choose about 100 to 200 of the best players at the age group in the local okay. area to go and train uh, on the weekends with that with that group. And then from that, 
back the players that they wanted for their centre of excellence. So I didn't, okay. I didn't actually end up getting into the centre of excellence at Swansea. I, so I was an outfielder at this stage, and um, so I ended As up most keepers the, are. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up going and signing for Cardiff's development program. So Cardiff had an academy where Swansea had a centre of excellence. So I signed for Cardiff's development program. Just basically sort of like the reserves, I guess, for the academy side. So I spent, I think it would have been a year or two with Cardiff. Meanwhile, my brother was going through the same process with trying to get into Swansea Centre of Excellence. But um, I was always going and watching my brother play. So this is how I ended up going in goal. I think they were either short of a goalkeeper one time or they noticed that I was always going and watching. And because the coaches already knew me, they just let me go and goal. Uh, sort of out, out, nice and out of the way, because obviously I'm a bit, a bit of a taller lad. Um, but I, I ended up doing all right. And I think it was Swansea's... Uh, I, I remember his name was Mickey. He asked me, uh, he asked my dad if, if I'd consider, you know, going and signing for Swansea Development as a goalkeeper. So then I was sort of left with the decision of, do I stay at Cardiff as an outfielder? Or do I go and goal for Swansea? And it's pretty much, obviously, I'm a big Swansea fan. So I was like, nah, I've got to choose Swansea. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I ended up in goal, pretty much. And then so, I, I, mean, I, spent... I mean, going on to that one, but, sorry, to interrupt, but what, yeah, what no. is that thing with goalkeepers starting as outfielders? I mean, it's obviously a very specialised position, a goalkeeper. But, you know, a, a lot of the goalkeepers, you know, that, I, that I've had, you know, uh, dealings with and, and supported over the years, a lot of them start as outfield players. Where does that come from? Is it because it's a, a late development of skill? Is it, um, is it a, a mindset thing, an attitude thing? What, what, what is it with that transfer from outfield player as, as a goalkeeper? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting question and topic. For me, I think it's just, especially like, I think, you know, when you're playing like the age of six, you don't really play with a goal. You play with those pop-up goals. So yeah. I can't even remember if we were allowed goalkeepers. But anyway, for me, I always wanted to be Steven Gerrard. So it's maybe more so that the players you idolise are generally outfielders of that age because you're looking yeah. at the goals more than anything. So for, And, you know, winning trophies. So for me, it was, you know, I seen Gerrard win the European Cup. I used to watch his goals on repeat, watch some of his tackles. So I always wanted to be Steven Gerrard. So that's how I was pretty much playing outfield. And I can remember... Every kit I had for my local league team, it would have to have number eight on the back. I used to wear the captain's armband, thinking I was Gerard. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure. I'm, I guess it's more so the players that you generally end up idolising at those younger ages tend to be outfielders and just end up in goal by chance, usually. Yeah, it's just, it's just a crazy start. I suppose, you know, really, if you think about it, most outfield players, they don't start off as a right-back and they finish as a right-back, do they? They kind of change positions. So, a goalkeeper's just another position, isn't it? We, we both know that's probably not the case. But, yeah, so the untrained eye or somebody who's thinking it, you know, from a, a black-and-white perspective, you know, it's yeah, it's unrealistic for a, a lad to be in the under-9s under as a striker and go all the way through the age groups and phases and still be a striker, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, it's quite funny, actually. So... I'd say, obviously, back home in the UK, it's generally everyone wants to be a striker or, you know, a centre-attacking midfielder when you're a kid. But out here, you get a lot of kids who are like, no, I want to be a goalkeeper. And I'm like, oh, OK, that's, that's pretty interesting, <laughs> even at the young ages. It's, it's de- like, I think the American outlook on soccer positions is very different. 
So yeah, yeah. no, it's it's definitely interesting. Definitely, yeah. So kind of yeah, going back to the the scripted question. So I mean, you 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 you've talked us through then, you know, in terms of how you joined academy football, how you've chosen Swansea over Cardiff. I'm sure you've never looked back on that one. And then <laughs> you know, kind of not wanting to fast forward. Obviously, the the theme of the conversation we're we're going to get onto in a bit is around US scholarships, but. So your time at Swansea, I mean, obviously, well, I'd say obviously, you you, you left Swansea uh, and you joined Bolton, but you know, what was that like experiencing that transition at probably an earlier age than most? So I say most, a lot of young lads will be with an academy for a you know a, a, a generally a long period of time, and then they get released or then they decide to yeah. leave the academy system, whereas you had to go through your transition under sixteens. You're now without a club, so like you just said, you've made that transition from outfield player to goalkeeper, and now it's all almost deemed still not good enough to make the grade. So, what was that experience like being released from from Swansea at, at such a young age? Yeah, I think so. For me, I was a little bit unlucky in that from the ages of fourteen to sixteen, I broke my hand three times. Wow. So that that was really so I was a bit like I get back to full fitness, start training again, and then I get injured. Um, so then you know when it came to the decision time at sixteen, I sort of had that idea that I probably wasn't getting a scholarship. I, like it could have yeah. gone either way because I was when I was playing and training, I was doing well, but it was just you know got unlucky with injuries. And I think the thing that suited me at Swansea was the style of play, and I probably had. Uh, out of the keepers they had there, the best ability with the ball at my feet. And Swansea at that time were a big playing out from the back team. Yeah. So that was always probably some of the skills that I had that maybe others didn't. So it could have gone either way at Swansea. And I think I was a little bit unlucky not to get something from Swansea. Uh, but again, you know, going back to then, how do you deal with that? And, you know, moving into Bolton, I think... I think my parents are probably a little bit surprised about how almost excited I was. Almost like exciting opportunity. And I mean, yeah. for me, when I went on trial as well, so I went, I went on a couple of trials with a couple of different clubs. I was almost like a little bit of a confidence booster. Like I can remember going and training with Oxford's first team and training with their first team goalkeepers. And technically I wasn't a million miles away from it. You know, if you talk about, you know, being able to move yeah. your feet, being able to catch a ball, being able to do the goalkeeper drills. I fit it in pretty well. So, like, obviously, you know, you're only a kid, but it was definitely, like, a nice little confidence booster. And then in the games I played for the team, I, I had a lot of good games, which is, as well, when you've, you know, probably missed one and a half, two years of football because of you've been injured, you know, when you yeah. finally get game time again and you're doing well, it's a massive boost. So it's almost like a really exciting period. And I can remember coming up to Bolton, you know, staying in the hotel, playing a game. And it was almost like the coolest thing in the world. I, I, I sort of almost enjoyed that period. And it was nice as well because Swansea, obviously I'd been there for a lot of years, so I was good with the coaches and whatnot. So Swansea let me train after they released me until I went and joined Bolton. So that was good as well, because I'd go away on the weekend, play for Bolton against Everton. I can remember us beating Everton 4-3 and then coming back to Swansea and telling all the boys, you know, my Swansea team, how it was and, and whatnot. So it's really exciting. I mean, you, you mentioned there, like, you did have other offers. So how 
is it a hard thing? Is it an easier thing to? So, Swansea are telling you, you you're not making the grade. They're not going to offer you, you the scholarship that you've you've worked hard for, that you've probably dreamed for, or dreamed of rather, and you're having to find another club. And like you said, you've had other offers. So, what what took it over the line for you to choose Bolton over the other offers? And what was that experience like of having to? make a decision on your future rather than somebody dictating the future to you why you, you know so a lot of players will just have one option it's like right here's your only option for a scholarship take it or leave it you had other options how difficult is that to make that decision from your perspective it's it's hard because obviously you want to make the right decision and the perfect decision but also you've got to sort of appreciate that there's no right answer every, like every club has its pros and cons for instance if I went and signed for a category 3 team Maybe I would have been a bit closer to the first team, would have trained with the first team a bit more often. Um, or maybe if I went and signed for... Uh, I think I think I had an offer from Hull who would have, would have been in the Premier League at the time or just been relegated. Then yeah. I would have been nowhere and had no real opportunities. So I think, you know, it's there's definitely pros and cons for each club and I, I think ultimately you can't really make the right decision. I think all you can go off is what you've experienced. So for me, I remember my trial with Bolton was really positive. The club, like, really looked after me. They made sure I had everything I needed. They let me do a, a couple of days in digs as well, so I could get a feel for what it would be like to stay in digs. And you know, I, I remember the coach really good came on trial with me. So I think uh, I, I don't know if you remember Tony Warner, but Tony Warner was the goalkeeper yeah, yeah, yeah. coach as well at the time. I do. And yep. Tony was brilliant in fairness. So I think that's pretty much what ended leading me to choose Bolton. It's just you get like almost that good feeling about the club. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that, and that, that's, yeah. How did your time differ then between or your experiences alter from Swansea to, to Bolton? Was he a, a step up? Was he quite comparable? Was it, you know, a step down in terms of certain aspects? But you just mentioned Tony Warner. Was it? You know, individuals within the, the the coaching setup that stood out. The difference between Swansea and Bolton was there any differences? Yeah, I think it sounds almost weird, but um, I I remember saying to my dad at the time, Bolton almost play more real football, real. And I, I don't know if that's just the north versus southern thing or or whatever, but I I can remember going up to Bolton. You know, it's no more. You know, every team plays short passing out the back. It's you're playing to win games. So that that was one of the first differences. Because obviously, I'd came, I'd been at Swansea for six years, and everything. You know, you didn't kick a ball long. If you can't play to the centre back, you clip it into the full back. If you can't do that, then a midfielder drops in. You play to the midfielder, and they bounce it back to first time, and then you play from there. So it's almost a completely different demand from the two things. But I think, you know, ultimately it was something that I was almost excited for because I, I can remember, again, going to places like Everton and you beat an Everton's academy 4-3 at their academy and you're like, wow. You know what I mean? Especially Cat, Cat won at the time. And, you know, I think, you know, obviously we weren't picking up. We were doing all right, but we weren't, you know, beating any of the big yeah. teams. So it's definitely cool and different experience. Yeah, I mean, and those experiences, I'm, I'm sure, have you know, made you a better individual and, and, and stood you in good stead for, for where you are now, which we'll come on to in a bit. 
but then yeah, you obviously I'd... have the, the the pleasure of representing the your your beloved Wales in, in a, a national call up. How was that? You know, was was that expected? You getting called up by, um, you know, Wales is under 19s or was it a shock? What, what was that like? Yeah, so I I probably just go back to one more of the differences between Swansea. All right, no, yeah, sorry, go on, yeah, and and that's not being at home. I think that's oh, okay. probably yeah, that's probably the biggest difference. Is that you, you know you're not going after training, you're not going back home to your mother's cup. You know, you're not seeing your mates on the weekend uh, that you've grown up with. You know what I mean? You're you sort of get like me. I remember like every other Saturday, um, watch Swansea play at home. You sort of get into your little routines at home. Whereas when you sort of leave home, you get almost completely new routines, completely new habits. So I think that was a big difference as well. And then going into the, the Wales call-up, it was a little bit unexpected because obviously I'd just been released by Swansea. And yeah. one of the other keepers um, who, was at Sw- who got kept on at Swansea was also my same age group for Wales. So I, was, oh, okay. you know, I probably would have expected that they would have called him up. But I mean, <laughs> I, I was involved with a couple of the Wales squads at under-16 level. And I always did pretty well, in fairness, when I went away with them. So I, I, it was it was a little bit of a surprise, but at the same time, it was it was brilliant. I think I'd been doing, I think I had a pretty good preseason, in fairness, at Bolton too. So I'm not sure if that helped or if if anyone had seen me doing all right. But um, yeah. But again, you know, going back to that being away from home, I used to love getting called up for Wales because it'd be the time where I'd get to see, you know. My, you know, I'd usually yeah. do the the training in Cardiff or wherever it would be, and then I'd end up getting maybe one or two days then back at home too. And also, it would be the chance to almost reconnect with my Swansea teammates, which I used to love as well, because obviously the banter can be uh, a little bit different. So, <laughs> you know, getting back to saying mush and mucker with all my mates back home was pretty nice too. I can imagine, can imagine. So let's let's kind of start to talk about where you are now in terms of, you know, your, your US scholarship. So you kind of history repeated itself in a in a in a little way in terms of your your experience during your scholarship program at, at, at Bolton. And at what point did a US scholarship become an idea or become more of a, a solid option? Was it something that you waited till until you knew that a professional contract wasn't going to be on the table or was it always running alongside in your mind quite early doors in your scholarship? So in fairness, it probably only really came about as a possibility when I seen Ferns go and do it. Yeah. And then from that then I was like, oh, okay, so this is, this is an option. And then I can remember you put on a session with Chris Cousins. Yeah, yeah. And I think then at that session, that was when I was like, okay, that you know, I'm really going to delve. I think by about a week or two after the session, I'd signed up with Chris to lo- start looking at schools. Um, so I never really waited for the Bolton decision. I started, I sort of started going through uh, the progression for as if you're going to choose that route straight away. Mm-hmm. So I knew that even if Bolton were going to offer me a one year on top, because at the time, Bolton weren't in a great financial position. So I think we all knew, no. even if you were getting kept on, it was going to be a third-year scholar. 
Yeah. And I think for me, I sort of knew that I probably wasn't going to do anything drastic in my third year, which was going to warrant me getting a two-year pro. Because obviously, you know, I think maybe it was only Jake Turner the year before who'd gotten pro. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and whatnot. So I was just sort of being realistic in that you know, I'm probably not going to do too much. I'm probably just going to get maybe released after that third year. So I think I was almost sort of preparing for, okay, I'm not going to, I know even if I get a third year, I'm not going to take it. I want to go this route. And I think, I think I had already committed the same before I heard the actual decision. Yeah, like you did, didn't you? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. So I think, but again, I, I think I was always someone as well who, during my scholarship, I sort of wanted to do other stuff outside of football. Yeah. In terms of education, uh, like I can remember always being on to you about you know what what yeah, we yeah. could do, and even with Ryan, the sports psychologist we had at the time, I was always asking him to send <laughs> yeah. me documentaries or give me book recommendations or stuff to try out. So I think I've always sort of uh, had that drive to be a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, so you certainly I have. Think, I agree. So I think then the US like route where you get sort of the best in both worlds with academics uh, and football and then almost the life skills you learn outside of that with being in a different continent, that's what really attracted me to it. Do you think you would have made that decision have if you hadn't already lived away from home in your scholarship years? You know, Do you think you'd still make that decision to go out to the US if you'd have been you know, a homeboy, as it were, living in Swansea, playing in Swansea, and that was it? Or do you feel that because you made that step to move away at under-16s, under-18s level, sorry, that that was kind of a, a stepping stone to you? Oh, I can get used to living away from home. It's not too bad. I don't miss home that much. I can get back, you know, on regular occasions. So America's just a different destination. Do you feel that helped your decision? Ah, uh, if anything, I'd say it was probably the opposite because I was probably ready... Okay. To return to Swansea after my like scholarship, so, yeah. I mean, I loved like I I love being in Swansea. I'm probably like even now when I go back to my mates, I'd be like, oh, I'd rather be in Swansea than New York. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I and I definitely found living away from home pretty hard at Bolton. I mean, and I mean, I left at a young age. Yeah. In terms of whether it actually uh having that experience of living away from home before helped me make that decision I'd probably say no just because I think even at 16 I was like when they were like oh you're gonna have to move away from home you might be six hours away you might only see your parents how it once every two months I was sort of fine with that Hmm. just because I was excited for the opportunity so I think even if I didn't go to Bolton I think I still would have had the the mentality that I sort of wanted to go and get these new experiences whilst they were present. So I yeah, think... I mean that that's always made you stand out as an individual. Is like you said, you know, the work you did with Ryan, the psychologist, the fact that you were always pestering me, which is a great thing for what can I be doing more? And, and just as you, you you're articulating your answers now in terms of you wanting to seek new experiences, that's what's always made you stand out from from the crowd. And ultimately, that's why I'm sure you you know Chris from you know sports recruitment. Had, has you know been integral in supporting you getting out there. You've put that in, you know, your family support and all the rest of it, and it's 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 reaped rewards. Or certainly from from my through my lens, it, it seems to have, have reaped rewards so far. And kind of speaking of rewards, what's been the most standout experience so far in your time in, in New York? 
it's it's hard to choose one because there's so many different perspectives I could look at. For instance, I worked a job in Manhattan on I think it was the forty second floor. And you can imagine you're looking out onto the Chrysler building, the Empire yeah. State. And, you know, for, for a lad from Swansea, I was like, wow. <laughs> but then from a football standpoint, I think it was last season we won our, our Division One conference. Yeah. So obviously out here you get the crazy rings and whatnot. But to, to win the final, I took a penalty, scored it, and then saved three penalties in a row. And we won, we won the final. Uh, so that was obviously a very special moment too. And I think as well, you get those, so for instance, that night, I can remember we had uh, a party at our, our soccer house. And again, you know, some of the memories you get from like these little experiences, it's just, you know, it's hard to like, not almost be like, wow, I actually lived that when you, when you look back on them. So I think- Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it doesn't compare to, you know, Buying an extra bag of Harry Balls on the bus home from a, an away day with Bolton, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, but no, I, I definitely have to choose the the winning the ring with with St Francis last year, and and you know make scoring a penalty and saving three in a row. That that was like it's almost as a goalkeeper that you're never going to get that special moment unless it's in a penalty shootout. Yeah, so they're almost feels like you know you do all you know you've been playing in goal since the age of 10 12 years old you finally get that one moment that you might get once in your whole career it's, it's pretty special so so i mean that i mean you, you've had success pretty early on i think you're playing yourself down a little bit you know you've had quite a lot of individual awards as well tell us a, a bit around some of the individual awards and recognition that, that you've had in terms of you know your position and your impact on on, on your team yeah, so I'm, I've been pretty... I'd say I've probably played in some pretty good teams too uh, in my time out here so far. But I think in my first year, I had Rookie of the Week twice. And I think I made the Team of the Week four times, I want to say. Which yeah. I think we only have 12 game weeks or 10 game weeks officially. So that So I had a pretty good first year. And then in my second year... I won our conference goalkeeper of the year. I won our uh, player of the playoffs. I won, um, I think I made the all-conference team, so the first team, so it's pretty much the best 11 of the players in the conference. Yeah. I made How, the how does that feel, getting that? I mean, obviously, you are a team. I know your yeah. mentality. You're all about the team, but surely that's got to be really like, as an individual, like you just said, a, a lad from Swansea, you're in New York and you're winning all these individual awards, that's got to be pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's def, definitely nice, but at the same time, I sort of, I think I've always been one of those people who doesn't really like receiving recognition. I'd rather just, everyone just not pester me. It sounds weird, yeah. but I'd rather just stay focused. I feel like stuff like that can almost distract you in a sense. Um, but no, it was really nice. And I can remember as well, I think I've had two or three write-ups in the Brooklyn Eagle as well, which is one of the like, local newspapers out here. So yeah. that was cool as well. When you know, I got sent the, the, the cutout in the paper, you know, taking that home to show my parents is, is, is really nice as well, especially considering Swansea. 
and you see yeah. a name in the Brooklyn Eagle, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It's great. I mean, it's been great to follow from across the pond, really, in terms of your success in in, in your journey as well. And in, in terms of your journey, so you've recently transferred to a different university. So tell us how that kind of came about and, you know, how you're finding that transition at the moment. Yeah, so... Obviously, I had two really good years at St. Francis College, which was the first college I chose to, to come out to. And, you know, after you've had two really good years, and I, academically as well, I had a 3.96 GPA. So that's pretty much straight A's for my first two yeah. years. So I was in, a, like, a really strong position to market myself. So it's almost shared the way, the way it works in terms of the transfer portal is that you go into the portal, but subsequently you you lose all your scholarship at your current school. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a bit of a risk. But obviously, with the two years I had and then my academic background as well, I, I fancied myself to get a decent move and I fancied a new challenge. So I, I've transferred to Fordham University, who academically they say is, you know, the Ivy League school, who isn't an Ivy League school. Um, so it's yeah. a really good school academically. So again, it's always trying to get that, again, next level of education, that next challenge. And then soccer-wise as well, they're, you know, they're, they're usually making national tournament. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a really good challenge. So that, that's sort of where, where I almost went for it, is that I've had two really good years. I want to try and take you know, another step forward now and try and challenge myself a bit more in maybe other areas. So, in terms of that, you know, have you noticed any change in the standard of football, the level of training, the, the methods of the training, or is it is it any different experiences that has added to you as a as an athlete and a person in that short period where you've been transitioning? Yeah, I think in terms of the so, in terms of football and athlete, it's definitely a step up in intensity. Okay. Imagine if if you go into Swansea University or Cambridge University in the UK, yeah. academically, it's going to be a lot more demanding at Cambridge. So I think that was probably one of the differences I found here. And then in terms of football, it's almost if you go from Swansea to Everton, again, you know, you've got a little bit more pressure on you. You know, you're probably a bit more demanding of you from coaches. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the real differences I found was the physical demand. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this year I've been in the gym probably three times a week going all out. Whereas I think I can remember at my time at Bolton, I don't, I don't think we lifted weights for my two years. I think we did a lot more of body weight work and I think it was yeah. two times a week sort of thing. So that's, that's been a demand as well and probably something that I've definitely developed, especially over the last six months is physically. I think I've developed a lot. So it's, it's definitely been good. Yeah, good, good. And then in terms of, so what are your aspirations for the future? You know, the future being, you know, the, the rest of the season, the rest of the academic year and potentially beyond you completing the scholarship. What, what do you hope to achieve then? Yeah, so my, my main goal, funnily enough, it sounds odd, is to actually stay in New York. So basically, I'm not sure how, uh, how much you know about the sort of the visas here, but basically once you finish your degree, yeah. You're, you're supposed to go back home unless you can either get sponsored or, you know, marry. But for me, it's I'm trying to get sponsored. 
Yeah. So that's why I've sort of I've sort of touched upon it lightly so far is that I've been doing a couple of internships and sort of building up my job experiences and whatnot. Okay. So I think it's it's quite funny actually because I, I can remember doing a session with you and I think we have to do one to one reviews academically yeah, yeah. and we sort of come up with a plan B for if you know football doesn't work out or whatnot. I yeah. think I can remember telling you that I I wanted to you know maybe pursue accounting if yeah. uh, if football didn't that. work. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm doing my accounting degree, and so I've done a seven-month internship with a private equity firm here in the city, and then last summer I also did a, another internship with a data analytics company. Oh, so I've okay. done two two big internships, and now this summer I've for this summer coming I've just accepted a role with EY, who are one of the the big four accounting firms globally. Oh, so that was a massive achievement for me personally and that hopefully now if i do well on this internship i get offered a full-time post-graduation and you know wow. be able to stay in new york and and get you know maybe a well probably an experience i would have never had if i'd stayed in the uk and just gone to uni almost oh definitely definitely agree with that one and i suppose that's what the added value is um, as well as many other things like the life experience you, you've mentioned over the last, you know, 30 minutes or so in terms of what you've tasted in New York, you know, in, in America as well. And, I mean, why do you think other... So there'll, there'll be people listening, we know this, there'll be people listening to this who yeah. still, for whatever reason, are thinking, mm. US scholarships, probably not for me. But you just hit the nail on the head of... A lot of the things we've just discussed that you've told us in the last 30 odd minutes, you simply wouldn't get in a mainstream university, you know, even some of the best universities in the UK. So why do you feel what 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 barriers are there then for academy players where it but still not thinking, ah, yeah. Do you feel that is because you're you're a player, you've been in the chain. Yeah. Why is um... it other lads aren't tapping into this? What I'd say is that identity of being a footballer, I think, especially okay. for players who have gone through the academy for, you know, a couple of years, I think they almost get branded as that footballer by their schoolmates, by, you know, the, the kids yeah. they grew up around. I think some people are almost scared of losing that identity. Mm. It's almost like, oh, okay, if you go to school in the US now, you sort of lose your football identity. I think, I think a lot of people are afraid of losing that. And then on top of that, I think maybe some people are almost scared of the school aspect, which I, I, I don't think you necessarily should be. I think, you know, if you go, if you find the right school for you, obviously you can see the right degree for you. Yeah. And that's as academically demanded as doing, say, an accounting degree at Fordham University's business school, for instance. So I'd say that that that's one of them, and then also I think it's the you know some players want to hold on to their dream of maybe going pro in the UK, which I I don't necessarily think is a wrong thing, but again I think you know the more exposure you can get yourself as a player, the, the better the better off you'll be, and I think if you're going to make it, you'll make it wherever you go. Yeah, that's so true. That, true. I, I suppose that that identity is is probably a killer, and he's probably a key factor. So yeah, you you've. Yeah, you definitely brought that to to the attention of people like myself and you know other other people in the the academy system are looking to support players and 
yeah, kind of, I think with that in mind, the identity. What what advice would you give then to those lads who are looking at, at potentially going out to the US, but thinking, ah, but I want to be a footballer, and that's all I've wanted to do from the age of eight or even younger. Have you got any words of advice for for them in terms of that? You know, fear of losing that identity that you obviously must have gone through as well. Yeah, for sure. I think. First of all, you, you've got to not be afraid of being branded a failure. I think that's probably the biggest thing regarding the identity is that these players don't want to then be seen as a failed footballer by going out to the US. So that's maybe why they avoid it. But for me, it's you, you're not you're not a failure. You yourself back three or four years, saying you know I need another three or four years of development if I'm going to make it in a in a college environment. But you know I think you've also got to look at it from the standpoint that for me. I'm probably now in one of the better positions than the other players I played with because I'm still in full-time football. I'm in a full-time, for instance, you know, I'm going to the gym three times a week with a strength and conditioning coach, you know, probably one of the best in the country in in terms of the US. It's it's a great position to be in, whereas I think, you know, no disrespect to the, the other boys who are in my academy teams, but the majority of them now are outside of full-time football, which if you're looking to develop yourself as a player, it's probably not where you want to be. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. that's also, you know, maybe a bit of advice I'd give and maybe something to consider, but definitely, you know, try and try and not associate coming out to the US as being seen as a failure, rather try and see it as, you know, positive in the fact that you're going to get new exposure, new experiences, and, you know, you're going to still be in full-time football for four years, which is a massive bonus. I couldn't put it more beautiful myself in terms of that, you know, in terms of how you just painted that picture of your journey, which I know from speaking with Matty Fernley, with other lads who have gone out to the US and and and, and I would say living the dream, others probably wouldn't, but in terms of lifestyle, culture, football, academics, for me and outside of looking in, it it, it, it is a dream. And uh, yeah, in terms of your journey, the, the picture that you've painted, the advice you've just given, I think, will be priceless for some of those listeners who are wavering whether they're going to pursue that or not. So, and on behalf of the listeners and myself as well, I just want to thank you for taking out your time in your very busy day. As I know, we've been speaking about off air that <laughs> your day is very intense. Uh, yeah, to give back and to to paint that picture that hopefully other other lads will be kind of yeah thinking about that picture now and that sticking in their mind and potentially potentially they'll now start to think about you know, US scholarship being a, a viable pathway. So, yeah, thank you. No, thank you so much, Lee. Really appreciate you having me on. Not a problem. See, I told you. What a positive person. What a human being. What an example to his fellow graduates and current academy players. An individual who sees the potential in every challenge he is faced with. Someone who, despite having to live away from home since the age of 16, is thankful for the opportunity and the experiences he's had along the way. It's no surprise to me or anyone who knows him or comes into contact with him that Callum will go on to achieve great things, whether that is inside or outside of football. But one thing is for sure, his pathway to his current destination wasn't a smooth one. With plenty of ups and downs, highs and lows, 
but he's a better human being for those experiences. Ones that will serve him well as he continues his development in America, continues to win individual and collective awards for his team, and continues to achieve the highest academic honours available. A journey he will continue to succeed at, and one you can follow via his Instagram account, which you can find details of on our website. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you another edition of The Journey next month. In the meantime, we switch the play and focus on mental health and well-being next month, where we'll bring you another three episodes, one each week, with special guests on the topic as we bring you more interview from the lockers. listening i hope you enjoyed this week's episode and look forward to you joining us next week when we bring you another interview from the locker be sure to follow this podcast to access the latest episodes and make sure you share these interviews with your friends family teammates and anyone you feel will benefit from the episodes look out for behind the scenes footage on our instagram page for more information on our facebook page and be sure to give us a follow on twitter too Don't forget to access our website for up-to-date resources, as well as contact details for all our guests who appear on the podcast from week to week. All these details can be found in the About section on the podcast platform you have accessed this episode from. We look forward to you joining us next week in listening to more interviews from The Locker.